So, Adrian, um, we did you know that four of the top eight ate at the same restaurant uh, the night before the tournament started? Wait, really? I know. Yeah. I, I genuinely didn't know that. No, you, Shane, uh-huh. me, and Nick. Oh yeah, that's right. That's Nova, right. We all ate at that uh, the Lucky Strikes Burger, and I wanted to know what did you order? Oh, I ordered the uh, El Jefe, the the spicy one. Okay, this is not this is not going where I hope. <laughs> this is not the answer you expected. <laughs> so, so I was looking. So I, I was looking and at the chicken burgers because we were all talking about our podcast and like chicken burgers and stuff. And then Nick looked at me and he's like, "You better put some meat on that bones, you know? Like, so yeah. you better eat. You, you, better, you better eat. You better eat a steak, you know." So I was like, "All right, all right, all right. Uh, we're gonna have him on soon, and he he can say exactly what he exactly said. that. Yeah, 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 yeah." yeah. Um, but I, I, I looked at him and I was like, hell yeah, I will. So I looked at the burgers and I picked the lucky burger and I specifically asked them, I was like, Hey, what's in your lucky sauce? Because I need it for tomorrow. So I was really hoping that you also <laughs> got the lucky burger because then we could have had like this weird conspiracy thing happening. Um, and now I have to ask Shane. So no, you got, you guys, I, well, I was eating with Shane at the same table as him and I don't remember what he got, but he didn't get the El Jefe. So maybe that, maybe that was his downfall. Yeah, maybe. He didn't get, he didn't get the spice. See? Yeah. See, yeah. See, me, That's what he needed. Your El Hefe lasted two <laughs> days, right? My my Lucky Burger only lasted one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but um, how was that burger? Mine? Oh, yeah, it was great. I mean, it was a great place. I mean, Shane, Shane was just like, I'm craving a serious burger. I was like, you know what? Like, whatever. Let's hang out. Let's do it. And it was, it was a really good place. I was like really impressed with the neighborhood all the restaurants, yeah. like the service as well, like the quality of the food, the speed, like it was really good. Like mm-hmm. coming from New York where sometimes like quality of service can be very, very hit or miss. I was like very, very happily, uh, I was impressed. Yeah. Uh, I also had to walk around alone a couple times, uh, in Washington DC. And I was like, it was way nicer than walking alone in in Baltimore. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really it, Nova took place in a really nice neighborhood. Uh, yeah, it did. Honestly, it really did. The 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 place was sick. We stayed in a hostel right across the way, and I really like hostels. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever stayed in a hostel. Now I asked her. I was like, "Man, this looks like a hostel." She's like, "We're a hostel hotel," and I was like, "Shut up, you're a hostel." Yeah, yeah, exactly. If it yeah, has a hostel, the name is a hostel. How do you have a hotel? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little bit past my hostel days unless I'm like really on like a crazy adventurous backpacking trip. But for the tournament, I need like, I'm really all about, I need my own room. I need like my own space. It needs to be like, I got my like stuff set up. I need, I need like go back there and have like my safe zone to like decompress, you know, yeah, decompress and like review like other factions and just like think about it and like play some music and get pumped up the morning of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Yeah. Have you seen the yeah. queen's gambit? Uh, I have, yeah. I is there a second season now? I just saw the first season. No, just the first season. But what you just described was like in the last few episodes when the Russian dude is in his hotel room just looking at the moves with the other guys. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except Adrian, my, mine's probably a little bit more like upbeat. I'm playing some like like synth wave and like new new eighties style kind of music. You know, oh yeah. That, that's what I do to relax. And in the morning, I was I had this one um, when I when I when I exercise, I play a lot of screamo. 
So I had mm-hmm. this one, you know, like to, to combat like the nerves going into the first round every day. Um, I was playing this just like really aggressive, like screamo song. And it mm-hmm. just, for whatever reason, it really calms me down. Like it, it just like, it like is more aggressive than, than the nerves that I'm feeling. So it, it just like overpowers that. And then I get like very Zen in a weird way. There you go, man. Yeah. You know, that's what you need. Yeah. Burger and burger and heavy music. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, guys, this is the Squad Games Podcast. That was a weird intro. Uh, I'm Giacomo. I'm with Dakota. And we're with Adrian. Yeah. Yeah. Up, How's guys? it going? Nice to be here again, guys. Really happy yeah. to really happy to be here. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Hell yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happened in Nova. And for the next uh, couple of weeks, we're going to be interviewing different people from Nova and talking about here bits and pieces here and there. Um, Adrian, you won. Congratulations. I know. Yeah, first place. I know. Honestly, it's, it's genuinely, it's surreal. Like I'm still, I'm still like, uh, very much on cloud nine after the event. I'm running on like three hours of sleep. We got back like after the, yesterday. I mean, yeah, it's just yesterday. That sound, that seems crazy. But yesterday finished the event, um, had an amazing award ceremony, talked to everybody, uh, hopped in the car with four of the guys from Brooklyn, drove all the way back. And by the time I got back to my house after the subway and the car and everything it was like one in the morning. And uh, my wife was up waiting for me and she made me, uh, speaking of spice, she made me like a jalapeno infused margarita. Ah. We had some food, we had some drinks, we recapped the night's events and I was up until like 4am, just kind of like riding the high, decompressing. And then I got three hours of sleep uh, this morning, got up at seven and I was just like, let's go. And I was just like out, got, went out, got some coffee, went to a diner, got some breakfast and I went to the, the, the local store, the Brooklyn strategist where I like get all my reps in and stuff and met up with the guys and we went out for lunch and some more drinks. So I've been like, uh, I'm, I'm probably on like my third or fourth wind right now, but after, after this uh, podcast, I'm probably going to crash super hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. I yeah. think we, we, we drove back to Baltimore. We got some milkshakes. Uh, I, I've never had old Bay fries before. Interesting. Um, it's just fries with the seasoning on it. Yeah, I've never had that spice yeah. before. You know, oh. and people and they're all like, "What? You've never had the spice before?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm from California," and they're like, "Oh yeah, okay." Um, but they were dope. They kind of remind me of like Laurie's seasoning salt, but like with a more smoky spice to it. Um, big fan, real big yeah, fan of it. It's you good know? stuff. It's I think I think it's good as long as you don't put too too much on it. But yeah, it's really nice. It's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and then I went to bed around. Around one thirty, I woke up at uh, four thirty. Caught the plane, slept a little bit in the plane, and uh, took the second plane. And then I got here. So you know, exciting. Yeah, good I times. Know. I know times. it was. It was a really good time. I got to sleep in my bed like a normal person. Oh yeah, <laughs> nice. Must be nice. So, <laughs> so Adrian, did you read the packet before you went in at all? I did. I did the the tournament packet. Yeah. Yeah. Did you now what was interesting is I tied twice within the tournament. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, did you ever tie? I didn't No. all, all the, the wins or the losses, uh, were, were pretty clear cut. Um, so no, I, I didn't have to go to any tiebreakers, but I was aware going into it of what they were. Uh Um, and I tried my best to sort of be aware of them. Um, but it, it didn't actually come up because, I mean, I, it's, it's hard in the games. Like, it's it's two hours. You're really, like, tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. And despite your best intentions, even if it comes to a tie, like, you might forget exactly what the order is and, and all that stuff. But yeah. for, fortunately for me, it, it didn't come up. Uh-huh. So I didn't I didn't have to, like, kind of position my guys to take advantage of what the, you know, what the tiebreakers were. I think the first one was 
what it was like the maximum number of secondaries, two secondaries you got like maxed out secondaries. Mm-hmm. And then it and, was how many operatives own each who owns the most amount of, uh, pri- uh, objectives. And then it go went to a third one, which was, uh, how many people, like how many people you've killed right on the other yeah. team or something like that. And then it goes to defender. Yeah. yeah. And then the defender just straight up wins. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, so that it, last part is interesting. Cause like, what if you're playing against elites? Do they, do they say elites count for more dudes you killed? Nope. Really? It's total APL shot. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I mean, it, it got a couple people. I mean, uh, personally, I, I, I like ties, uh, as a tournament organizer, but you know, when you go to a tournament, you have to accept that, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. You, you know, it's not your tournament, right? So right. it was, yeah. it was fascinating, uh, but I definitely wasn't playing. <laughs> I never played for a tie. Oh, no, 100%. I, yeah. I, I tied twice and I lost both on tiebreakers. It was very fascinating. Rough, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, it's my, it's my, it's not my first time doing it because I think they did tiebreakers at KTO as well. It didn't actually come up for me there either. Um, but yeah, no, this tournament was very different from both that tiebreaker format and also the the pod format. Which mm-hmm. um, um you know I've I've done like this one in KTO both separated into pods after day one, mm-hmm. which I, I have mixed feelings about. Some are positive, some are you know on the fence. Um, but yep. most tournaments I've done are that are like a two day GT or like total you know kind of aggregate performance. Yeah, absolutely. What what is your total feelings on it? I don't know. I think uh, I mean for one, it, it's a lot more stress day one. Like you yeah. cannot make a single mistake. Uh, you have to get good, like, cause you, you could have a bad matchup on day one into a really tough opponent. You could play the two biggest sharks in the whole tournament on day one. You could play three softballs on day one. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's hard to say. So I think the one saving grace in this tournament for like the four games on day one was the fact that it was kind of SOS based. Cause if it wasn't, you could have really ran up the score and got lucky with your matchups, you know, and, and people who maybe had potentially more talent, but played tougher opponents would have had lesser score. So I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. I mean, I'm, at the end of the day, it's, it's the tournament organizers prerogative. This is what we paid for and signed up for and knew what we were going into. So I just always try and do my best to understand the full extent of the parameters, talk to the TO before the event, um, see, see what his, you know, thoughts are on it and what he's willing to accept within, you know, the, the parameters of the packet that they've presented. And, uh, just, just do your best within that. So I, on day one, I, I went three and oh, and then Dakota, you and I met and you, you beat me demo mine to the face. And then I was like, all right, well now it's kind of out of my hands and it's SOS based. Um, but I think thankfully, because you went four and oh on day one, that elevated my OSOS enough. And I, and I ended up finishing like first amongst the three and one people. Yep. Um, and then that took me into the top eight for the next day. And then it was like clean slate. Yeah. Um, what was I, fascinating is even with your, your points scores, you would have been in top eight as well. Just right. Even, so even I, if it yeah. wasn't strength of schedule, the amount, like, cause what you scored 24, 23, 22, 15, something like that. Yeah. So I, I almost maxed out every game except ours. So I, and, and I, I think I maxed my secondaries almost every game again, except ours. So yeah. So I, I was, I was covering bases there. Cause again, I think also, it's weird because some people have talked to me like, hey, well, like I have a strategy where like I try and score low the first round, but win. So then I get paired into someone else who scores low. And I'm always of the mindset like, first of all, I don't even know how this stuff works. Like I know somebody talks to me about win path or SOS. I'm like, I don't know. That's the machine stuff. Like they'll figure that out. Like I just try and play as optimally as possible and do the best I can. And sometimes, you know, you, you, you say you max out game one. 
it doesn't necessarily mean you play the the best player in the tournament the next round because they could have a tougher matchup and they could have won by a lesser margin. So I, I just do the best I can get as many points as possible because you never know when it's going to come up for a tiebreaker or because I guess if you had the same SOS and then it goes down to probably primary or secondary points after that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I imagine. So I, it, yeah. It's, it's weird because every team, it's pretty much every TO does it different, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one, I was not aware that it was strength of schedule whatsoever, but, um, you know, I, I figured that I had to, I had to try and win every game to get top eight. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, I think that's what everyone's mindset is to try and get there. Right. Um, yeah. And then I found out strength of schedule afterwards and I was like, Whoa, how does this even work? Cause I've, I just don't do it, you know? Cause right. it's, it's funny. Cause Matt, Matt has been screwed over by, uh, tournament points in the, the tournament point system in the past. And I've been screwed over by strength of schedule in the past. So we just right. had completely different, uh, philosophies on the subject, which I find interesting and fascinating. hundred percent. And I, and I think, I mean, for my, in my mind, when you have a longer event, say you had a two day event, you know, if you have eight rounds total as a whole tournament and everybody's in the same overall pod, then I think the SOS has more time to really kick in, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to just maybe day one. But again, I'm not an expert on it. So it's, it's kind of, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't want to speculate, um, without knowing really like what goes into it. But yeah, it's, it, I think people at the tournament had mixed feelings about it. Uh, some people kind of got burned by the SOS and some people didn't. Um, but at the end of the day, like it is what it is, like I said, and it's, that that's what it is you gotta you gotta just accept it and and do your best to to you know yeah yeah sos it's it's easier to blame the tournament rather than it is to blame your own performance i think so yes yes so 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 that's where i think some of the feels bads comes in but besides (laughs) that besides that um you know there was a there was what 528 games played at nova which is something like that yeah yeah, I think LVO we hit 750. So that just shows you how big this yeah. was. Like this was enormous. Right? It was this, very big, yeah. This this event was enormous. And um you know, the last round was made it <laughs> made it even harder. Um but like it was overall like the space was amazing. The people there were amazing. Uh I didn't have any issues with any person I played. Um you know, um, did you, did you enjoy every game you played? I think so. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have any bad experiences. I mean, a few matches as expected got, got a little sweaty, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you know, um, I think three of my matches were against fellow people from Brooklyn who I locally play with. So like, even though we got sweaty, we're friends and we know how we both operate. So that always is nice to be like, you know, I understand how you're talking about intent and those kind of things. It just makes the game a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, every game was great, a L- little sweat here and there, but no, no major issues. And at the end of every game, you know, everybody looked each other in the eyes, shook, shook hands and you know, GG. Yeah. Sweat isn't inherently bad. Um, it's not. And I think it's, 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 it comes with the territory when you're playing something and you're in your competitive and you want to win it, you obviously want to do it in the right way. You don't want to go about it in, in like, you know, in like a, a sketchy or like overly aggressive or kind of cheating type way. But like it, you're going to, you're, there's going to be some friction when in a game where like it, you, you know you're doing your best to have robotic measurements but at the end of the day we're all human so talking about intent measuring things where it come literally comes down to millimeters being outside of a charge range or a move dash shoot range for example mm-hmm. um somebody sees it one way somebody sees it the other things get moved you know so it, it definitely will come up especially on day two when there's a lot more at stake 
Right. Yeah, absolutely. And was what else was crazy was um, you know, the terrain kept getting bumped around. I know I ran into yeah, that issue. Yeah. I did I don't know if you did, but like against my game against True, um, you know, there was a vantage point in my deployment zone. I deployed on it and he was right. like, "Yo, you can't do that." And I was like, "Really?" Yeah. So we got Matt fix the situation. Um and uh, you know, I was we were like, "All right, well shit." <laughs> you know, and it's kind of like you know, is, is there anything else wrong on the table? But at that point, right. you know, it's, it's without having published maps, we won't know. Did you, right. did you run into any issues with that? It, I mean, into the dark, you don't have that problem, right? Into the um, dark, you don't, you just have to make sure the objective markers are, are placed, but that's easy because you have the layouts and you just reposition them a little bit if they're out of place, but no, into the dark, you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it happened a few times on open, but it, it's kind of one of those things where like, like if I thought something was really wrong, I, I just grabbed him real quick and said, Hey, cause he, I think he had like either pictures or something on his phone. He could refer to, to what the original placement was. Yeah. So we could quickly verify, Oh yeah, this should be a little bit further back. This is a little bit out of place. The intent is, was always that there was always enough space between all pieces of terrain that a normal size base, I guess a 32 mil should be able to fit through without mm. traversing. Uh, I mean, that's tough. I mean, he, he was running it all by himself. So honestly, kudos to him for doing that. Cause that's a huge event to run. Absolutely. By, if there's yeah. If there's anyone out there looking to help next year, you know, make sure you reach out to Matt, you know, yeah. like I have a team of at least three, right? right? That helps with local tournaments and LVO this year, we have a lot more volunteers. I think we're going to have seven. Yeah. Right. So like that help really does help TOs everyone. So if you guys are interested, maybe you don't want to play, maybe you would just want to help and be there, be in the scene, you know, hit up Matt, you know, I'm sure he would love the help. Yeah, 100%. definitely. Yeah. But but anytime we had an issue with the train, he would very quickly resolve it or confirm. And Agreed, uh, yeah. it, it was it was never major. It was only a, you know a few times, a few things a little bit out of place. Um, that that's really all. So I I didn't nothing that really defined the game or changed the games we played. Yeah, it was uh it was it was a fun time though. You know, it was um, yeah. We got to play in the in the the blue lit hall next to the, the yeah. We got to hear every single announcement from the forty k. Uh, it was very interesting, very fun. It was cool. It, it felt it felt like it felt like Kill Team finally was like um, you know almost on the main stage, right? Like we still haven't got GW to stream our events, you know, which is hey that'd be cool. But yeah. we were right there, and there was the energy, there was the atmosphere. It was a huge room. There was that massive ten foot Terminator, which was so cool, mm-hmm. um, and there and very cool, like kind of dim, like almost blacklight type lighting. It was it was it was it was a uh, very uh, very thematic. Yeah. It was pretty loud, and uh, Matt was able to pull us into the, the back room and. Uh, oh yeah, uh, for the announcements every day. And yeah. Do announcements so that we could all hear, which was cool. You know, it was a very fun event. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, and look forward to going next year. Yeah. If anyone else is out there looking to go, you know, it's a great event. So, uh, hopefully, hopefully they can continue to grow and they don't get maxed out at anything. But you know, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I mean, it's up there with LVO. It's one of the big ones, right? It's like. Yep. Uh, because it's LVO, it's it's Nova, and what are the other really big ones every year, including like 40K and all this stuff? Like, I think this year it was Kill Team Open. It was, right. I'm not sure. K- if- well, KTO was interesting because it was just Kill Team, but I'm talking about like the big, like, the big events, events where GW has a huge presence. There's X Wing, so there's Lord of the Rings, there's 40K, there's Sigmar, there's Heresy, you know, like it was really big. Yeah. So I think it's Adepticon, right. Nova, LVO. Those are probably the biggest those are the big three yeah yeah of of all the events um there there are like flg runs all those events but typically every one of their other events is smaller right right um i know that aco grew 
Uh, I think BAOs grew by like 2.5. Um, I think LSO stayed about the same. We're still coming up on SoCal, so we're going to see how big SoCal grows this year. SoCal Open. Um, you know, it's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, every event has the possibility to keep growing as long as we just get, you know, players to come. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, what was your, like, so there was a lot of, uh, commandos. Do you think that? Yeah, I know. (laughs) I was, yeah, it was even for me, it was too much. Like, like I, I, like when we came in, I had no idea there would be this many commandos and this many vet guard uh the vet guard thing was extremely surprising to me yeah uh like even on our podcast like everyone we talked about it and stuff and like i don't know where ev- everyone thought to bring vet guard maybe they just all were like oh you know like uh i have no idea <laughs> I, yeah it was circle, i mean man. yeah i know it's 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 so strange i mean i i have a few ideas as to why why that is but yeah the meta was basically because i was looking at it it was like commandos, intercession, legionary, and vet guard, and then like two of random things scattered throughout, like two Hearthkin salvagers, two yeah. uh, hand of the archon, two corsairs. You Only know, one two cult, this, right? Uh, yeah, one cult. That's it. That's one so blo- surprising. One I know people, but the, I think there's a there's a big effect. Like when people get a nerve, I still think cults are one of the best teams in the game. They're not Agreed. nearly as broken as they were, but I think there's a big like it's more of a mental thing when they get a big nerf and you just kind of, people just kind of drop them and it's, it's weird. Like it, it just, it's kind of this weird phenomenon that happens and, and a lot of the top players maybe drop them and then everybody else follows suit or people get in their own heads and just look at the stats and say, Oh, they, they're, they're, they're not good now without even maybe plays testing it more and they just move on to something else. I don't know, but yeah, they, they, they've fallen off very hard and Felgor now is almost like, who are they? Right. Like they, right. they, they had their, they had their yeah, 10 seconds of fame. Felgor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't turn out to be the 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 summer of cult after all. We're still in summer and hot, hot melee summer as we were green, calling it. Dude, hot yeah. orc summer, dude. It's yeah, like yeah. green. It's a green <laughs> summer to say the least. Yeah, it's a green oh, summer. <laughs> green tide, yeah. Oh my god. It's yeah, and and all the people were taking commandos. I mean, like killers, dude. Like mm-hmm. we had both of the Garrets. We had Mike Cortez, who's a great player. We had uh Kenny Rolla Crit. I mean, like a lot, a lot of, I'm, I know I'm blanking on a few people cause I'm running on three hours of sleep. So I apologize if I've left anybody out, but there were like, everybody playing commandos was like a serious contender, like really, really strong people playing commandos. So not only were they playing a good faction, they were all like really good players. So I was like, oh man, I, I'm not looking forward to playing the commando mirror, but luckily I actually, believe it or not through eight games, I dodged it entirely. Didn't have to play a single commando the entire time. That's amazing. For, I just, it just, just talk about, you know, wind path and however else BCP calculates stuff. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't have to do that. I prepped for it. Did a lot of prep back in Brooklyn, had a bunch of people run me the beer match and, and I felt good about it, but I, I absolutely hate playing it. It's not fun. It's really mentally taxing. You run into each other and just bounce off each other. Nothing happens. And I found that often I was I was charging in the fellow commandos players and just passing like the original Felgor because I was like, it, I, why would I fight? It's just going to let you hurt me on my activation. Then you're going to activate and finish me off. It's it's just really it's really strange. And then the defender being double advantageous not only for getting the first forward deploy, zoning people out, and getting to choose the side you want. You know, like it, it's it's just a really weird kind of. Do you want to go over that more in more in depth? So that yeah, people, sure. Some people don't realize that 
the the mirror is can be brutal like that. Oh, it's 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 like it's very mentally taxing because commandos as a team in general, I think have a have a fairly low skill floor, so they they have an easier access point to entry than some teams. However, they have a very very high skill ceiling, and I've been playing them now. I think like I've been maining them since kind of like April, I think at this point. And I still, I am literally, I'm still learning things and I've been playing nothing but commandos since April, um, over many tournaments in Jersey and New York and many practice games. And there's still things I learn about, especially on open, like just little differentiations and placement when you forward deploy, who to forward deploy, which equipment to use. And it genuinely varies differently every time and, and people play them differently. And I think that, you know, as strong as commandos are right now, I think they're still very balanced and very well designed and very fun and rewarding to play, which which is which I love. I agree. Um, but but yeah, in terms of the mirror, um, yeah, I mean, it, Defender obviously it, obviously it depends so much on Into the Dark versus Open. If it's open, you're going to get the forward deploy. So if you choose Defender, not only do you get your side, but you get to you know nominate your one, two, or three forward deploys in your first group, put them down first, and you effectively can zone out you know twelve inches from that model to be like, this is mine and you cannot afford to deploy here. Um, so that's just crazy. You know, it is, like yeah. it's pretty, like if you, if you set it up right, you can really just stop people from getting on those points. Cause uh, for instance, the last game I played against, uh, uh, can you roll a crit? Uh-huh. I was, we, we were playing and uh, on open and he was like, uh, Hey, you know, I'm really good on loot do you really want to do that? Cause I could just four deploy three. And I was like, hell yeah, I want to play that. That yeah. sounds great. I want to see, I want to see what commandos can do. Like, let's right. do it. And like he four <laughs> deployed on, uh, one of the points instead of all three, but he right. did four deploy two, but I could see how strong it could be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially with people like intercession or other teams that just can't get the bodies yeah. out there fast enough. Yeah, I think I think you definitely. I mean, I've seen a lot of people. Um, if you're playing elites and you're playing versus commandos on loot, especially, you just have to accept that they're getting four two, and and certain maps can prevent it. But most of the time, you just have to accept you're going to get a four two. You do not want to lose a single marine on turn one, otherwise you're going to have a bad day, and you need to set up for a very strong turn two. And even if you go four two, you know, in their favor for the first two turns, if you're playing conservative, getting good positioning killing a few works while not losing Marines. Like I've seen people come back and then score four, two, four, two, and then get better secondaries and win the game. So it's, it's definitely not impossible. I just think people start to panic when they don't get a three, three first turn and they overextend and then they get punished because the things commandos are very good at doing, uh, which I mean, my, my, my play style often is like all four deploy lesser operatives. Um, and then, you know, they're still very tough. The regular boys are still very tough. You could have an assault intercessor charge a regular boy and not kill him with just a scratch and parrying out and all that. But if you commit to killing my one of my worst models, uh, then I have the dynamite, then I have the squig, then I have the knob, then I have the rocket to punish that. So commandos can kind of like forward deploy, dangle bait, and then if somebody bites, especially an elite team, you can punish them very effectively if your positioning is correct and if your, you know, your preloading of APL is, is efficient. Hmm. I mean that that's that's what I've been doing uh, often. Uh, I've seen people play them multiple different ways. I've seen people put a smoke grenade on a knob recently, which I'm like, I don't know if I would do that, but people do it, and uh, if it works for them, it works for them. I mean that's that's why I go back to saying like I think they're such a fun, unique, and interesting team because it's not like they have one build that is the way to play them. 
Yeah. You can put a smoke grenade on your rocket launcher. You could put a climbing rope on your rocket launcher. You could put nothing in a rocket launcher. You know, you could sneaky get him onto a vantage if you have the initiative, as opposed to forward deploying on a vantage, you know, on engage. And then if you have the initiative, you sneaky get with the climbing rope, get you up under the vantage and you shoot immediately and then fall back down. Um, you know, there are a lot of cool things you can do with the equipment. Um, I know I've heard that a lot of people, I think it was in Spain, use a ton of smoke grenades to just screen themselves as they move up the board. Um, some people just love to run all choppas. I mean, it's, it, it's cool. There's so many, so many, so many ways to accomplish, uh, victory. So what's interesting, my question is, do you think that this is a, that this tournament really was a meta all on its own? Or do you think this is really, uh, forecasting the future of tournaments until we get another data slate. So do you think it's just going to be orcs, 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 or do you think we're going to start to see some of those Colts come back or any of the other teams? Or do you think it's just going to be orcs and vet guard? I, I have some interesting yeah. stats after this. So go oh, ahead. Yeah. Okay. I, I think, I mean, I think it's definitely a meta of its own because first of all, it, it's a big tournament. People are coming here to compete, see how they measure up. So they want to be bringing the best teams and not only that, but like out of a field of, I think there were 72 people registered and, and starting at day one, we had 61 people actually there playing. So like out of the field of 61, I mean, I, I kid you not, when I was looking through that list and I was like, I think like 15 of these people could legitimately go 8-0 and win this, which is a huge, like honestly huge. There it's not seven, like, oh, it, oh, there's like 15 people who are good. I'm like 15 people could actually like like 8-0 the event, which, yeah. which is ridiculous. The, the, the concentration of talent here was crazy and yet eight of those people were on commandos uh you know a, a few of those people were on legionaries shane being one who's an excellent yep. player um and a bunch of people like yourself and true on vet guard like hey you got, i did yeah. not expect big things for myself okay <laughs> I, hey, well, 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 I don't know you, why, why why not you, why under, you? you undersell you went, yourself you're i mean you went four, you went four no day one and and you i mean you beat me man right <laughs> i did i yeah. did I, I will tell you this. I prayed so much to the emperor that day. He was playing <laughs> through me. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was on another, I was on another planet. Okay. That demo hey. mine. I, I had nightmares. I had nightmares. He needed the spice. He didn't have hey, the spice. You know, what's exciting yeah. is I actually dreamt for the first night after that one night, yeah. uh, after, after that game for the very first time in like, in like a year I had oh, wow. dreams. Yeah. <laughs> my dream was that I was in a car accident with me and my son and we both died oh and God. I got eaten by a shark. It was oh crazy. God. I had, I, I literally had horrible dreams both yeah. nights because of the stress. It's <laughs> probably I, what it was. Yeah. It was, it was very much, I think it was like maybe a metaphor for like, uh, you know, losing games and losing the tournament, but I got attacked by animals in my dreams and uh, <laughs> I was losing fights left and right. And I was like, what is going on, man? This is so stressful. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a couple stats. These might interest you both. Uh, I know that we've been talking about on our past podcasts about how legion how we believe legionary are favored over intercession mm -hmm. and not everyone in the community uh, agrees with us yeah um and the okay there were 10 commando players okay uh ranging from first placed to 52nd okay. but i will say 52nd was a little bit of an outlier uh i believe 33rd or 34th yeah. was the other so right. it went they went from first to 34th and course, and, and like something similar four of them were like in the top pod right on day two right yeah yeah, yeah. there was one two three four in top pod and then it was in the second pod it was one two three as well right yeah 
And that's like <laughs> yeah. seven of the 10 players. Yeah. Uh, top two pods on commandos. Okay. All of them are sharks. Okay. They're all, they're all really good. Um, but moving to Vetguard, there were seven players ranging from seventh place to 55th. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was interesting because like there was two Vetguard players that got into the top pod but they both ended in seventh and eighth, um, which was interesting that to see that they just weren't as good as the commandos. And I'm okay. Blooded were there too. Uh, we had one blooded player, just Nick, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, singular. Yeah. Nick destroyed me on into the dark, you know, it was <laughs> good. Um, but, um, you know, then our next one is uh, intercession. Mm-hmm. The top placement for intercession. Do you know? Get, take a guess, both of you. Take a guess. What? What, what do you think the top placement were for intercession was? Must in it, it was ninth, ninth place, right? Or no? Did didn't they win uh, bracket two? Oh, twenty twenty okay. fourth place was the oh, top dang. intercessor player. Oh, right, because the brackets of eight, so it was for the fourth bracket, right? Okay, I think yeah. Alex, Alex uh, from Brooklyn, right? Did he won his pod with intercession? I think. Daniel Valente, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know where Alex finished, but I thought he won his pod too. But yeah, inter- yeah, okay. But yeah, further down for sure. Yeah. So um, a lot further down. And I think that's specifically because so many VetGuard players came out because VetGuard is very- oh, it's, a night- it's a nightmare. I I remember last season when I was playing Intercession, like playing VetGuard, playing Breachers, playing anybody with Meltas and Plasmas and stuff. It's, it's, the, it's, it's terrifying. I just live in constant fear every, every move. Absolutely. And then the last one- is legionaries there were five yeah. and th- there was nine intercession and the top the top intercession was 24th yeah so uh for legionary there were five mm-hmm. the top was second and the bottom was uh, 44th but if okay. you take away the uh, 46th but if you ta- take away that one the bottom was 32nd yeah so, so they were higher up overall Overall, they just, I think that in between in the top intercession player and the second to bottom um, legionary player, there was just, I think, one. Uh, yeah, just one intercession placed above the legionary player, uh, 30, yeah. 31st, Joseph Gallo. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was pretty pretty interesting i think you know yeah, i think i think that also i mean i don't know what who actually played who but legionary also is very good into intercession agreed i think legionary overall especially the nurgle build which is just kind of consistent and it puts in the work is probably still overall better than intercession they have better melee they have better shooting and now that durable has been a bit nerfed i mean nurgle is almost just as good as having a primaris marine so i i i, I think I, and they have more options they have more specialists you can do a lot more, more AP, better combat, uh, more reliable combat, higher damage, rending, you know, five up feel no pains, uh, plasma pistol hitting on a two up, which is ridiculous, like very scary, a four APL leader potentially. So yeah, no, I think Nurgle is, Nurgle Legionaries is, is, is definitely better than intercession, like in a vacuum overall, yeah. um, I would say. Uh, I mean, that's not always the case against certain matchups, but in this tournament, I think, I think with the meta, like we talked about before, I, th- I think this was kind of a, an isolated meta, very exaggerated because I think a lot of these people took the teams e- by this point, every new commandos were one of the top teams. Everybody wanted to counter that in some way. So Nurgle legionary 
Intercession is probably the second worst metric for commandos after Nurgle Legionary. Vet Guard's not horrible into them. I mean, they came in the same box and they were I'd balanced agree. around each other. Um, and Vet Guard ha- has just kind of dodged nerfs from day one, and they've always been a very strong team. And they have all the tools to do anything you want. You can add an inch to anything. You can roll a one on anything. Reroll a one on anything. Like they, they have so many operatives and so many cre- creative ways to pair them that a good player can, I think, can find a way to win any game with Vetguard. Like, they're very, very strong. I definitely agree. Yeah. I, I would say that I, if Vetguard had to get a nerf, uh, I would definitely say that the first thing that should be happening is uh, the demo mine should not be able to blow up through walls. Yeah, that's, plain that's, and, that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> plain, plain and simple. Like, around walls, sure. In uh, Through walls, absolutely not. That's how I caught uh three intercession in one of my games because it's, so, it's, it's a plasma hitting on twos with ap1 right it's five six ap1 four hitting yep. on twos that's i mean that's mm-hmm. like you just don't miss and you and you have a few cp so the one you miss you re-roll it so you're always getting four hits yeah it's rough. um you're killing most things uh and yeah and then and then if you set it up correctly with the extra apl or, or the ga2 like you did to me with the uh, confidant i believe it was like it's even if you see it coming, you you almost like on into the dark, especially you just can't avoid it. It's just like you're going to get hit with the truck. You just have to hopefully get hit with the truck on your own terms. I think on into the dark, it is one of the harder moves to pull off. It took me a long time. It took me all of KTO, and it's still mm. I still couldn't master it. Right, right. Um, it's 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 definitely an order of operations move. Right, um, right. and there there are a lot of teams that it, it's a very skillfully hard thing to do, and it's a very it's a very interesting tactic but not a lot of people can actually pull it off. It's very funny when me and Trude played, uh-huh. um, we picked almost the exact same equipment. We picked almost the exact same operatives. Uh, we almost put everything almost on the same people. Uh, right. I think our rosary was the only thing that changed. I put mine on the demo. He put his on his leader. Uh-huh. And uh, because of those, both of them lived for specific reasons. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, it was very fascinating. So you guys played on open. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And, and, and tied. tiebreakers, yeah. <laughs> came down to tiebreakers. It was very funny. Um, a very skilled vet guard player as well. Yeah. So, yeah. so like, um, we, I know that you met, you dodged your, your mirror. Uh, mm-hmm. what did you do specifically to, to train for the mirror for other, for our listeners out there? Yeah. Well, I played a couple of the, the really good commando players here. Um, uh, at, you know, at the Brooklyn strategist and the Carcosa club, uh, that, that we have around here, uh, Chapin and, and Rami specifically, uh, Rami, sorry. And, um, we just tried things and talked it out. I was like, it was, it, it was a game where we pretty much talked the whole time because I only I only was able to get in like two three reps into commandos, so I was like I just want to max this out. What do you think about here? You know, one of us tried taking one archetype and the other one tried the other, so we would kind of have intel on how both felt. Uh, one of us tried forward deploying these types of operatives. One of us tried forward deploying the other. So we kind of like did the opposite things to to get the most intel. So that so I just I just I mean the way I prep best is I just run the games. I mean I can I can look at rules and look at data sheets every day all day, but nothing really sticks for me until it happens to me in a game. And then I remember, like I could look at your data sheet for vet guard, for example, but the demo mine and understand how bad it could be. But until it happens to me, I'm not going to really know, like, you know what I mean? Like you don't know until you get hit with it. So, so to see the commandos mirror play out, I I realized that I found myself often like, it's, it's really, it's like, it's literally like a, it's more, it's a lot more like actual chess. It's like, can I trade, like, did I trade my rook for your pawn or did I trade my rook for your bishop? And do I need my bishop more than you need your rook in this case? 
If you four deployed your rocket boy and your sniper to be aggressive with shooting, can I counter that by four deploying someone just outside of your six inch range and then sneaky getting three to get within three of you and then charging and passing into your gunner to just nullify that threat, right? So it's a lot of charging and passing and tying up models and who's the first one to reveal themselves and flip the order to engage and shoot the rocket and whose dice are better. Like, you know, if your rocket is better than my rocket and you're killing a guy and I'm not, then that, then you're, you're getting a pawn for free. Right. So it definitely comes down to dice. It definitely comes down to who you forward deploy, how you counter forward deploy, are you aggressive uh, or are you conservative and, and, and backloading your aggressiveness to turn three or turn four? So I honestly can't say that I've played the mirror enough to tell you that I have any like con- like confirmed facts that I believe to be true. But I do know that there is a lot of like charging, passing, using this operative to tie up this operative, using this operative to counter the operative or giving one of your guys combat support. So you have four attacks sitting on threes and I have four attacks sitting on twos. Like how do you get that little bit of an edge, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and also a, a big, like who's the first one to use just to scratch and how does that affect the rest of the turn? Yeah. Cause then that's one thing that I always try to bait out too, is just yeah. scratch because yeah. like it happened in our game. You use just a scratch on, on your yeah. DACA boy. Yeah. And then I was able to use the demo to get that crucial kill on your knob. Right. Yeah. The knob and the other boy. And, th- and that was probably looking back a mistake on my part, but uh, I, I, at the time I didn't see your GA2 thing coming. I thought I had an extra activation Yeah, and, uh, and then it bit me hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting commandos are very fascinating for many, many reasons. Uh, is what, what did you find? What did you find that you used by far the most? And what was the most useful uh, strategy that helped you win this tournament? Like strategy or like strat ploy? You mean overall? Either either one. Yeah. Can- well, obviously the forward deploy and open is is uh, invaluable. I used to be firmly in the two forward deploy camp, but lately I've come around to seeing the value of a three forward deploy. If you know the terrain can give you enough safety that you don't have to burn just a scratch turn one, because you really mm-hmm. ideally want to go into turn two with two CP. So you can DACA if you need to, because some games you, you literally burn all your CP turn one on three, four deploys and a shush, for example, or three, four deploys and a, just a scratch. And then the rest of the game, you just have one active every turn for just a scratch. And that's all you ever do. Yeah. Um, but so, so the four deploys are, are amazing. DACA is good, but it's not like game winning necessarily just a scratch. Like the mind games of just a scratch are incredible for your opponent. And, and the longer it's around the, like you could just see on their faces. And then the questions they ask you, like, have you haven't used a scratch yet? You should, yeah. Okay. Like every time they ask you that, you're like, okay, <laughs> they're, they're terrified right now. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause it changes the math so severely. Like, you know, somebody can charge in with a five, seven weapon. You're like that seven damage. No, didn't happen. Yeah. Um, so commandos, commandos are more like, like 14 to 17 wounds per model, you know, when you have that active. Absolutely. On any particular model, which is, which is really cool. I, that's one of my favorite things about, like, I think just a scratch really makes this team what the team is, Yeah, you know, like it adds that extra orky toughness, toughness that is really, you know, fast, uh, fascinating. And it's super flavorful. I love I love the idea of an orc just getting like shot through his 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 like chest, and he's like, "Oh, it's, it's just a flesh wound. Let's go." You know, like it's, it's, uh, he's like, "This this whatever." You know, I'll, I'll be home in time for dinner. Like, let's do this. <laughs> I just love I just love the idea of that like an orc gets his hand blown off. He's like, "That's it's nothing I haven't seen before." So no, it's 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 very it's very thematic while also being a very powerful like competitive tool. Um, but yeah, overall in terms of overall strategy, like. 
again, like it's, it's hard to say. Cause every game, like mo- some people, they show up, they're like, all right, I got my groups. I got my equipment. Uh, the, I know how I'm deploying every game. I would analyze the terrain and the mission and my opponent and what their equipment was and where the lines were and where the four deploy spots were and my groups and my equipment and my deployment and my movement would change every game. Uh, Mm. you know, not, not drastically, like I'm not playing a completely different game, but enough that it took a lot of thought and my deployment was definitely, you know, where I took a, a bit more of my time in the game to make sure I got that right. Um, but as I mentioned before, like overall strategy um, you know, if it's something like loot, I'll, I'll probably just put a few disposable boys on points and know that I can loot quick and either chill there or run away. And then if I lose them, I'm not too worried about it. If it's capture, you don't have that pressure right away to do that. So you can maybe for deploy some guns to cover some points, especially if you out activate people like elites, if you get a gunner in a, in a good position on conceal with an order flip, or even a sniper can do some good damage to elites. If, if, if you roll well, um, you know, you, you just wait, 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 wait. And all you have to do is wait six times. And then you have like five more models left to go. And you got like two dynamites, a rocket, a sniper. So just, just like the activation game and the mind games that plays with your opponent is really critical as well. Making sure you really hold off on that. Um, and then just, just measuring extremely precisely and making sure your threats are lined up for next turn with the requisite APL and the bomb squig, you know, maybe he's outside a charge range and, Somebody has measured that, and then the last activation, you give him an extra APL, so then all of a sudden his threat range goes up to 11 with a move dash and a, and a blow up, so just that mm-hmm. extra inch. Um, so yeah, so I, th- there's a lot of pre- precise measurements and where do you want to place these guys and and stuff. Like The longer I play the game, the more I've been th- you know you think about like denying your opponent's tack up. So if I know someone is operating under Seek and Destroy, like Elites will be or Blooded will be, for example... You know, maybe I don't need to start this boy forward deployed on this point, even if I plan on looting it or capturing it because it gives them the option to eliminate that guard. Mm-hmm. So I deploy him a millimeter from it and then I just move him on and cap it. And then they can't have that as eliminate guard target because he didn't start the turn on it. So, so yeah. little, little adjustments like that, for example, um, make go, go a long way uh, in, a, in a close match. That makes sense. Yeah. I know um, eliminate guard is maxed against vet guard every time. So if anyone's yeah. playing vet guard, always take limited guard because they're too, too many bodies, yeah. too many bodies, too easy to kill. Um, I found myself uh, fighting all seven games against seek and destroy. I would find it interesting if GW could uh, start to follow uh, how many times players take certain uh, tack ops not, right. or, or, you know, because I, f- I find seek and destroy pretty much. I could guarantee everyone, almost everyone was taking eliminate guards, uh, rob and ransack and route almost every time against that guard for sure. Again, against elites routes, probably not a great choice. Cause you, you can't guarantee that kill. And then you're just hung out to dry, giving them an you easy, you could take shot. Probably tech, do he- right? I would probably do headhunter. Headhunter, headhunter is a is a nice one that's kind of a little bit more mindless. So you know you're probably getting one on it, and if you're lucky, you get two. I think shock tactics is tough because again, to to guarantee a marine kill turn one, not easy. And and a good yeah. player won't want to feed that to you. And even if they do, there's no guarantee that a rocket with full rerolls will kill a marine. You might whiff, and then all of a sudden you've locked yourself out of one point. It's true. And then and then as I mentioned before, turn two is the turn where if they've positioned correctly, then it's very hard to hold four points. Maybe that's a three three turn. So yeah. I don't love shock tactics. Uh, if it's against uh, a lesser team, like 
not a lesser team, but a team with lesser operatives, like a seven wound, five up save model, yeah. I can guarantee I'm going to kill someone and I can probably threaten enough to hold four on the second turn. Um, so that that's a possibility, and especially if it's something like uh, capture too, because the weird thing with the wording on these new tac ops is, tac ops is that even if you have a point secured, to, in order for ch- shock tactics to count, you still have to have a model on it because it's secured and not captured. So mm-hmm. it's really strange. Like capture, you could be off it, but if it's secure, you still have to have models on those back points. So it's not great on that um, mission. Um, but I, I, I found myself uh, into all my matchups. Yeah, pretty much taking route, Robin ransack, eliminate guards, and then into elites. Uh, in my play testing, I had started off thinking infiltration was the way to go. And then after a lot of play testing, I, I found that I was like, you know what? These fights are already hard enough to win that I don't think I can be not hitting them at all. Like, so all of a sudden you're already getting destroyed in combat. You may only get two hits, which, a, which an intercessor may automatically double parry or a legionary may parry one. And then you're just implanting with your second one. And then you're just dying and doing no damage. So they're really taking nothing in return and just mm-hmm. killing an orc for free. And then you have to do that two more times on two other guys. Um, and then it also, what it does is it, it, it ties the grot up having to accomplish four secondary points on his own, you know, for like gather surveillance or um, subversive uh, control late game or like, you know, uh, con- I forget what it's called, control, you know, the, the opponent's barricade. Um, and whereas if you run seek and destroy against the elites, it's a lot harder to actually score the tack ops because they're still tough. However, the grot is then free on capture and secure to threaten those two or three back points as soon as they move up. And if they're leaving an operative back there and not doing anything, that's already a win for you anyway. And the grot can usually find a way around it. So I actually found myself pivoting very close to Nova into seek and destroy in every matchup, no matter what, and just adjusting my play style around that and strategy um, and, and changing the tack ops a little bit. Like route, I would not take against elites and I might take headhunter instead. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The, and it, you know, especially in this tournament where secondaries are so important just because of ties, right. You know, security, security is rough. (laughs) Um, I found, uh, when true played me, I was like, Oh, I should have taken protect assets too. That would have been a good idea. But like, you know, um, you know, these things we all learn from, and I think that you came in very well prepared. Is there, is there any, um, who do you like to put your your uh, your dynamite on? It, it de- yeah, it depends. If it's into the dark, I almost never bring the breacha unless there's like a really long hallway that I know someone's going to put a barricade in. Mm-hmm. But I on into the dark, I usually just put it on a regular boy. Uh, on open, if there are no obvious walls to that I need to run through, and I can go around a wall or run through a door, I'll put it on a boy as well because I just like the reliability of a chopper a lot better than the ram because it can be so swingy. Mm-hmm. Um, but most often on open, I'll put it on my breacher. There were some games where I used to put it on the knob, but it's just like he's so good in combat anyway that um, I, I, you know, and and it's and it's fairly telegraphed anyway. People. You know, it's not it's not like the beginning of season one anymore. Like people know it's coming. Yeah. So the only benefit that the knob is that gives you is that if you win the initiative, it's happening immediately and they don't have any time to react. Yeah. Um, but I've just found him so valuable, not only to give out APL for the first two turning points, um, which matters a lot on, you know, capture or secure or loot. If you can run onto a thing that a guardsman standing on with three APL and then loot it right away and then kill them, that 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 is a big win. 
Um, but yeah, so it's either the knob or the breacher or a boy. Um, one of our, our, our guys from Brooklyn who actually put it on the comms one time, which I've never thought of. And I think it's a bit of a, a, a risk because you like him for other stuff, but an into the dark specifically, he ha- he ran him up against a door with the dynamite. And then the next turn opened the door for free and immediately threw the dynamite. Mm. So like, it's, it's just all these cool ways you can use commandos depending on the specific situation and, and how you like to play them and who your opponent is and how you think they might play uh, to counter that. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. I know there's, um, the one, the, the, I'll definitely say that when you put a, the dynamite on the knob, it it's, if it goes off and you get first turning point and you kill multiple models, you're more than likely to win. But, but the other 50% of the time that you don't win initiative and the thing is, too, the dynamite, like, people live in fear of it, and I feel like this is a similar way about how Corsairs have been described sometimes, where it's like, you have to respect all their threats, but but the fear of these threats is sometimes worse than what they actually are. So as long as you're not giving anybody two or three models at a time, if you only give them one target, like, you're going to get hit with a dynamite, so do it on your own terms and let them roll, because the amount of times that I've rolled, like, one or two hits, and they've saved... You know, they've made two, three up saves and nothing has happened or they've taken four damage and all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, that wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, I, I, the dynamite is honestly more of an area denial tool than anything else because sometimes it goes off and it doesn't even do anything. Yeah. When I was playing uh, Kenny Roller Crit, yeah. his, uh, his Breacher Boy went through a wall and yeah. threw it, but I, I spaced out and right. so he threw it uh, and he hit once right. and I saved and I was like, oh the exact same reaction yeah yeah <laughs> i was like the emperor protects yeah exactly exactly right yeah, yeah so, so that, that's it i mean you just have to build it in your calculations you're going to get hit with it if they if they want to hit you with it just make sure you only hit in one model or if it's like a guard team you can afford to lose maybe two guys depending or or get hit with two guys but no more than that yeah absolutely so definitely keep that in your mind guys it's not play through it know it's going to happen you yeah. can't always deny it if you can deny it feel free to get that charge and deny them. You know? Yeah. But, but the nice thing about commandos though, cause with the forward deploys with the threat of the dynamite, it allows them then to have such good board presence because if you don't respect it, they're going to punish you. And if you do respect it, you only have one model there. And then they're like, all right, well now I, I just got two, you know, two APL bodies on the point, And so I own this point now. It, it's kind of like a, it's like a catch 22 in a way. So it's not as simple as just like, Oh, like it, it, it's going to be fine. You're not going to die. But you know, it's, it's, it's a weird, I mean, they're, they're a tough team to play against. I, I think they're a tough team to play against. Yeah. I mean, the team is so fascinating. I mean, you could put, if you wanted to be more like aggressive, you don't even, when you forward deploy, you could put like a DACA, the rocket boy and a sniper all up on different vantages so you, that the enemy just yeah. can't move. You could. The, the only thing is though, only two of those people are going to potentially shoot that turn. Um, but I like yeah. to give the Daka boy a chopper anyway. So if you did that, you could charge him into someone's back lines, kill someone and then turn two, mm. start out guns a blazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And, and, but even that is so interesting too, because most people assume when you forward deploy the rocket boy, you're going to choose, choose the order flip. And if you, you know, depending on who's the attacker, who's the defender and what you think they're going to do in response, you can surprise them and pick one for a barricade, steal the initiative, and then just charge your knob into someone's back lines first and say, I'll shoot you with the rocket next turn. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, so uh, it's, it's really, it's just, and, and that's why I love them. Like I haven't gotten bored of them. Like I kind of did with intercession. Like there's so many ways to play them. There's so much that I feel like I still can learn, like all these incremental improvements and, and little things that just become second nature 
and and just tiny little micro adjustments to your game. It's it's really really they're very rewarding. I'd say they're very rewarding to play. So the two models I actually fear most mm-hmm. on this team is the Dakaboy really and the Bomb Squig as yeah. vet guard or just in general. Uh, as vet guard and as myself in general. Yeah. Um, well, my DACA boy didn't do anything to your melter gunner. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> With full real. Yeah. So he's you know. Rambo. I mean, what do you expect? That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, I would say that the reason why the DACA boy uh, is terrifying to me is uh, a manual out here plays the DACA boy very differently mm-hmm. uh, on open. He's really good, right? Yeah. Like if you have the right terrain, mm-hmm. you can, give him a rope and then he can pop up, hang his base over, shoot and dash back down. And he's just always safe. Yeah. And it's like, it's impossible to, to kill him. And like, it's just like a free shot from a vantage every turn. If you have the right terrain, right. Um, He becomes like a three APL Marine, just pop up, shoot, dash down. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, he can be really frustrating to play against in my opinion. And then the bomb squig is essentially a one shot, similar to the demo mine um bigger blast or just about the same blast radius uh just a tad bit bigger uh but can also (laughs) mess you up in close combat as we saw (laughs) oh yeah i mean i got well when when i knew i was gonna lose the game to you i've tried desperate tactics i've never tried i had the bomb squig charge in and pass the next activation next turn he actually tried to, to bite a guy so I literally, I was like, the only way I can claw my way back is if this bomb squig kills this guardsman with his jaws and then charges into two other models and passes so they can't do anything. Yeah. And I, I almost got it. I, I rolled the two crits. Uh-huh. And, and I think rolled, I rolled a crit. You rolled to, a crit and a hit. So yeah. if you if you had just rolled two normal hits, I, I would have had it. But yeah, no, that was, uh, that was a big play. But yeah, at the end of the day, I ended up just blowing up traditionally as as you do. <laughs> yeah. Steven Zagal, I guess he's, he's good at handling... Uh, crazy crazy squig orc things <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. that's all the all the practice he's gotten from fighting with the russians yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so did you find yourself um g do you have any questions before i i do more no we can move on okay um did you find yourself uh, with any any other operatives that did something that really surprised you like uh, that you just didn't expect. And you were just like, ah, oh, this is going to be a great move. This game on the commandos team. Yeah. I don't think anybody, none of the operatives really surprised me anymore. Cause I know the best that they're capable of. And I know the worst they're capable of. I mean, which is basically murdering a space Marine. Like the ro- the best thing you can do with a rocket boy is get like three crits and two hits and they're just dead. You know, mm-hmm. and, and then it's just, oh, that's a Marine completely gone. Um, and the worst thing you could do is whiff everything with, with the bomb squig and, or the DACA boy. And you're just out there with your pants around your ankles uh, getting shot up. But no, I don't, I don't think any of my operatives necessarily surprised me this tournament. I'm trying to think of any like really cool plays. I mean, the coolest things I've done in the past were really against the the boogeymen of the meta or the old boogeymen, which were, you know, cults primarily. Yeah. And um having a triple four deploy against some people who weren't expecting it and, you know, having the sniper shoot someone dead, having the slasher boy come in and kill someone and having the knob come in and kill someone. And then someone else kills someone at the end of the phase. And all of a sudden by the end of the turn, they've lost like four or five models. Like that's, that surprised me the first time I did it. Um, but, but no, to be honest right now, I kind of know like what the operatives are capable of. Um, so other than like crazy dice rolls, like in, in my final game against Shane, 
Um, he had his plasma gunner with a combat knife, which is like three, uh, five attacks sitting on threes, three, five, uh, fight one of my boys with the chopper. And I, I think I rolled like two crits or three crits in one hit. And he got like maybe only two or three hits with CP rerolls and he didn't have any, any crits. So the way it happened was, is like, he hit me with a normal and then I hit him with one of my, or he parried one of my normals and then I hit him with a normal. So I only had two crits left, which he couldn't parry. And I Mm. actually just murdered that legionary space Marine with a regular boy, Wow! which I was not expecting. And that was just kind of, you know, dice be dice at that point. Absolutely. Um, But like that, that was, that was probably the biggest surprise of the whole tournament. And when I was like this, well, this guy's, this boy is for sure dead. And then all of a sudden he just murders a a space Marine that's been around for thousands of years. (laughs) 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 Just a scratch. (laughs) <laughs> yeah gotta love that just a scratch yeah yeah well, i didn't even have to use it that's the crazy thing <laughs> did you did you really? enjoy yeah not not in that particular activation yeah <laughs> did you enjoy any games in particular uh throughout the tournament uh yeah i i mean I, I think i enjoyed them all um it was always fun like round two and round three i played uh joey cruz and and then nestor who were good friends of mine and we play all the time at the locals. So it's always fun to be like, yeah, we traveled all the way to this other place just to, to play a, a, you know, a local monthly, but those were always, those were always fun games. Um, and we've played each other so many times in the same match. We kind of were like, all right, we kind of know how this goes. Um, and then who, and I mean, our game was actually really fun. I enjoyed because We, we met at LVO, didn't get to play. We didn't play each other at KTO. So I, I really, really enjoyed our match a lot. And it was great to finally get to play you on the tabletop because we've talked a lot. We've done the podcast before. Mm-hmm. So that was really fun. Um, and then day two, all the games are great. I mean, playing true again from Brooklyn, uh, only the second time we've ever played, believe it or not. But same matchup has always been Betguard versus Commandos. Uh, playing Nick Craven after that uh, with his blooded. He, he's always, honestly, he's such a gentleman and always a pleasure to yeah. play. Like the nicest guy um and, and everything is is really solid and congrats to him for winning for winning the uh the silver ticket of this event so he's he'll be there at the world finals in atlanta as well which is awesome oh, yeah. i know he's been trying really really hard for that and he deserves it and then the final i think i mean the, you got it's got to go to the finals match right against against shane, shane like absolutely shane and i had only played once prior and he beat me at the salt city gt where i ended up getting my initial silver ticket mm-hmm. um and i i feel like i probably got a little dice that game but it, it was i think it would have been a tight game otherwise on open um, but, but he definitely had that game over me there. So I was like, all right, this is cool. It's fitting that we see each other in the final here. And as stressful as it was, I actually did really enjoy the final format because for those who, who aren't aware, it was two games back to back an hour and a half each, including setup time. So, so not four hours, but three hours total for two games. One was into the dark one was open. So that was great because I think on into the dark, they legionary very, very, you know, has pretty good advantage and on open commandos have maybe a slight advantage depending on the mission or at least more of a level playing field so it was good to give two chances to come back from that and the veto system was really interesting i don't know if this is a thing that other tournaments do but but matt uh, the to basically had both of us roll off whoever got the highest number vetoed one of the missions like loot capture or secure so every Ooh. time shane shane won both times and he vetoed loot immediately surprise not surprising and then i said okay well i'm gonna veto secure so we played capture both times which was you know fine by me obviously loot's better but what are you gonna do and uh but that but that was really cool so it it made sure that it wasn't just one game with you know crazy dice or a crazy mission or a crazy map for example and it was the aggregate of the two games so um i mean i can talk about that match in, in far more detail 
when, whenever you guys want. But that I, I think to go back to your original question, really enjoyed our game, Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody was an amazing opponent, but obviously I, it was just so cool to be in, in the finals event at this event um, or final match at this event. I didn't, I knew I had a shot at winning it, but I didn't really expect, I just, it kind of snuck up on me, you know, the fact that I was actually there. Yeah, I, I thoroughly, I, so I'll touch on both of those and we'll go into Shane, yeah. your, your, your final matchup, the most, probably the most important one of the entire tournament. Definitely. Yeah. So our game <laughs> definitely was probably the most stressed. Yeah. Um, why, why is that? Uh, because I know how good you are and, um, <laughs> I really wanted to get top eight cause I never have. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I was like, and I was like, all right, well, commanders are really good right now. Let's see what happens. And I think I played that game really really strategically well um i think so yeah i don't think you put a single foot wrong the whole game i mean yeah yeah. and i think and i think it was um it was really mentally taxing but um i really enjoyed how 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 hard i had to work my brain and how how hard you made it yeah Uh, and it was very very uh very good uh it was a really good game it was probably the hardest commandos game i've i've played i did lose to john reese right uh at the second day but um you know it was definitely it was definitely the str- it was it was it was fun it was so much fun um the the final format for me was rough i would have way rather have had three hours and one game interesting okay because like after six games to yeah. then then to then like blitz two games in a row yeah with with two high activation count armies uh was really difficult um, right right no it's difficult for me too it was not a walk in the park at all because I, I even in a two-hour game sometimes i use the whole clock so i really had to move fast and i think i probably made a few mistakes because of it especially in the first match but you know it is what it is and and you're always doing the best you can be and it was it was tight but the reason i really like it is because like it was a mixed format tournament. So like some teams are just better into the dark and some teams are just better on open. So it's nice that I think you were able to sample both. So you couldn't really, I don't, you couldn't really blame it on having into the dark or, or open or playing a mission that you didn't like because you were able to at least veto one of them. One thing I think I would have liked to see is I would hope that we could do this in the future for Nova. If Matt ever listens to this. Uh, turn it into a three-day tournament, and right. then that third day have another cut where first and second place play the best of three. Okay, um, and then uh, second and th- I mean third and fourth can do the same, and then everyone else just plays in a random tournament. That's interesting. Um, because I think I think that would just be like a better aggregate because no one's like as stressed, people aren't as tired. Uh, I think it would just be a little bit easier and better but yeah. you know a lot of a lot of places can't accomplish what lvo has three days right i would right. love for it to be four days because i really want to do like a really fun invitational uh, team tournament where you know we could invite like the pacific northwest we could b- invite like socal new york um and have and like and like florida the midwest and have all these teams come out and actually just like play like a legit like team tournament to see like what what team is the best like in person rather than tts right right but like just more days is always better you know and yeah we have to do what we can on that day um let's let's move to that last that last uh 
game and tell me how that went because it was it was a, a nail biter. It was it was well I guess well the, the first one you mean the 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 two in the finals yeah yes correct yeah so, so basically the, the first one we rolled a d six and and we rolled uh, into the dark so that was we started there uh, we had capture and uh, what's the mission it, it was the I think it was mission it was number one it was conduit on the, so it was the one where you have like the four separate rooms that are kind of boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the two objectives on either side, right in the middle with like a doorway in, in the center. So I think all in all, like not a bad mission for me to have as commandos because you just shush. And then immediately every operative is right up to the door of each of those rooms. Yes. And since it was capture, I could just out wait him. I had, I decided to leave a bunch of guys unengaged. So all my big threats for shooting, uh, were unengaged. Uh, mm. so I just waited for, and I was like, if you walk in this room, somebody's getting shot. So literally it was, it was, it was strange. I started off really strong and I actually held him to a single point. The first turn I captured five points. Wow. I captured the four in the middle and the one on my side and rightfully so, because if he went in there, you know, like I said, you don't want to lose a Marine turn one. Yeah. However, um, you know, with time being a thing, I, 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 you never want to give the legionaries a a two for one. And I, I made a few mistakes and I left like my knob and my comms at a door um, and I ended up making a few questionable decisions, which allowed, you know, his demon to just kind of kill some guy, charge another guy, kill that guy. And then it really put me on the back foot. So starting turn two, I think then we went to like a three, three turn. Um, and then it turned into like maybe a four, two. And then like, I, I don't know, I don't know what, what it was, but he really, he really fought his way back and he just moved his guys up the board and just obliterated everything in his path. Wow. Um, and ended up winning the game, I think by, I think it was like 15, 13. I think he won up by like two points. Mm-hmm. And I went, I went for a really ballsy move at the end. So at the end, uh, I had two guys tied up in combat with his Shrive Talon. I had my Slasher Boy at full health and I had a one wound boy, uh, just there providing combat support, which was his, like, uh, I think it was his eliminate guards target that I had managed to keep alive. And I was like, with my one last CP, if I crump him, and I kill this Shrive Talon, not only do I get two points on Robin Ransack, I also get back this point. So it would have been like a three or four point swing because I would have taken the point away from him. I would have got a point and I would have had two points in the second round. I think it would have, might have turned it into a victory for me. But I always I forgot for whatever reason, just like I forgot about your demo mind, that Shrive Talon always fights first. So I was mm. like full rerolls, hitting on twos. I'm going to get three hits. He's dead. He had like, he had like uh, I think like eight wounds left. So I, I was like... Uh, or seven wounds up. I need like a crit and a hit and he's done. And I forgot that he fought first and Shane rolled like two to three crits. And I was like, I'm actually just dead. So I, I lost the point, gave it to him, you know, and it, and it, and it, I, I and it didn't really change anything for him other than the fact that he won by one more point, but I, I went for a big swing and a miss. So I was like not feeling great going into game two. Cause now I was like, all right, now I need to win this game by at least three points mm-hmm. to, to have the total aggregate, um, you know, different. Uh, so, but I, but I kept, I kept it like reasonable. So like, I didn't get like blown out of the water and open. So I, I on into the dark, so I was feeling good going into the open match. Um, and then on open, I, the mission was, it was uh center num- number two. So it's like the box, everything's equidistant, right? There's two objectives on the center line four from the, each side and then a box right around the center. Um, so he won the roll off. And weirdly enough, like this was actually the only game where I didn't win like the pregame roll off. So he was able to choose and he chose to be attacker. 
which I think he later realized was a little bit of a mistake because my side was slightly more advantageous for my sneaky gets and positioning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm, ha- I'm happy to take this side. And I went really aggressive. I forward deployed a rocket boy in advantage. I forward deployed a sniper on advantage. And then I forward deployed a regular boy over to the right to just kind of like, you know, threaten this point. But like we talked about earlier, staying off it. So he couldn't get eliminate guards first turn. Yeah. Um, and I just proceeded to, you know, post up, you know, flex with all my big guns and have a, a ton of really safe orcs all tightly concealed, all grouped up, ready to pounce turn two. And I, I just was able to control the board so well. I think I, it was like a, it was like a four, two first turn. Um, and I was able to get the rocket off on his demon. Uh, my last activation, which took him down to like maybe eight wounds or so. And, and luckily um, I won the initiative turn two and I immediately fired the rocket again into the demon, which killed him, which was huge. Uh, and then I d- immediately dropped a smoke grenade and he was safe for the rest of the game after that. Nice. So that was a huge turning point. And then, like we mentioned before, he had two instances where his dice just really didn't want there for him. In, in the first match, there are a few times where he rolled like literally four or five crits. And I was like, what, what are you going to do? My, my orcs are dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game, however, like his plasma gunner, that scenario, like we talked about with the boy, he, you know, you're just counting on things to happen with with space marines. You need them to happen, so you need to stab this orc to death, and then you need two APL to do something else. And when you don't stab the orc to death, then you're tied in combat. And not only that, if you just try and stab the orc and he kills you, that's just super bad. And then it's also my activation. So like, I killed his plasma gunner on his own activation, and then I popped Robin ransack and just ran away for the rest of the game. That was like turn two. And then his Balefire later charged into my um, Slasher Boy. And I think it was a multi-charge. So we had combat support. But again, just just literally bounced off of him. And my Slasher Boy just rolled enough crits to just slice him down. And then at that point, you know, having lost like three models, it, it just was like one of those things where in order to win, he had to, I think he had to really like stretch to try for big plays. And when those big plays then didn't work, it, it just, it just kind of snowballed out of control at that point. Um, and I just was able to, to, to control the primary and max my secondaries. And, and that, that was that. So the, the open, the open was really the big, big one for me. And it was, I think at the end of the day, it was a very convincing win for commandos on open. Um, and I think that was partially due to the fact of the, the triple four deploy, the terrain Octarius is great for commandos. They love it. All the vantages, all the doors, all the obscuring, all the heavy cover. Um, and also I think like, I, I, I do think I played that really well. I think I, I think I played like one of my better games in terms of positioning, mm-hmm. what equipment I give people, the smoke grenade on the rocket, where I forward deployed them, you know, when I move my operatives, accepting that I was not going to get a two for one. So just throwing the bomb squig into one guy, knowing I might only do four damage just to chip him down for melee next turn. Uh, so like, I think those were the key takeaways for me, but, but I, I mean, Shane, Shane's a really, really good player. And I was, uh, you know, I was, I was definitely sweating the whole time. I was definitely <laughs> sweating the whole time. It was, it was not easy um and and uh yeah i mean he's 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 really strong and it's it, it is like probably the worst matchup for commandos on paper the nurgle legionaries yeah absolutely i it was like you said earlier in the podcast like you look at the list and you can be like wow there's like eight people here or more who could go eight and no just just name right. just name power alone right right you know, and you're like, wow, okay, so Jimmy Kelly came from San Diego. Wow, okay, who else came? Adrian Bonaventure. Oh, wow, oh, 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 Shane. Oh, my goodness. You know, and you have like, you have, oh, Ryan. Oh, my gosh. Like, you have all these crazy, like, star power names. And yeah. it was, uh, 
it was super cool to see you both in the final. And yeah, I, it was fitting. It was really, it felt really good. It felt really good. Yeah. <laughs> the battle of, of upstate and downstate New York. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the better the, 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 this region won this time. We'll see what happens next time. I, exactly. I love, I also love how we don't have repeats, right? Like back in the old edition of kill team, you always had like Michael T. Holy coming out and winning these big events right. back to back to back to back. And then Emmanuel like won one. And then Michael T. Holy just came back and won again. You know, right. and it, it's cool to see uh, the narrative continually change of like, possibly who's the best or is it because of the meta or is it because of the teams you know is it because of who like what what team showed up um yeah it was a very fun uh interesting tournament to say the least no 100 percent. And I, and I think i mean kill team i think is is the most competitive game and the most balanced game the games workshop makes and i think because of that because it's not it doesn't rely on list building there's less broken things because there's you know you're, you're kind of given the parameters of your team and what you can choose and how many people you can choose it's it's a very like it's a highly skill-based game and you really have so much agency as a player. And I think because of that, and also because of the fact that the meta is kind of evolving and GW does a really good job to keep teams in that middle range where they should be with a few different exceptions. Like I think it's because of that, that you have all these tournaments happening and it's won by all, by all these different people. You know, it's not the same person winning everything. Absolutely. There's, um, there's another one. Do you ever use um, smoke grenades on Into the Dark? I, I noticed that a, a player out here does that quite a lot, and it stops a lot of the shooty teams from shooting them. You know, I, I've never really considered it just because I almost always want to just have better melee. I'm, I'm a bit more straightforward in that sense. Uh, I just I would have to reconsider the way I think about the game, and, I, and I've, I've thought about it a lot. I'd have to get some more reps in with it, but it would have been good against you and VetGuard because, like, on those maps with the huge open room, if you have the spotter and the sniper diagonally across, anybody I throw on that point on my side in the open room is mm -hmm. just getting roasted because you have yep. the activations to outweight me. So it forced me to use my grot to be there. But then you end up throwing away your grot to someone and you don't really want to do that. So I think the smoke grenade could have been good there for a turn. But then again, if, if, if the person gets the first activation next turn or even second activation, then they just shoot that guy anyway. So... I don't know. I, I've found the smoke grenades really good for just the rocket boy and advantage and then having an initiative gambit the next turn. Mm -hmm. You know, like if, if you find a, if you see a way to alpha strike, like first or second activation, you hit him real hard, you drop the smoke and then next turn he's there and engage. Or, you know, like I did against Shane in, in the, in the finals match, you know, last activation turn one, you shoot something, get the initiative, shoot something again and drop smoke. And then all of a sudden you have a full health rocket boy on advantage turn three untouched. And that, that's like, that's really, that's really scary. Absolutely. Um, but I also, I, lately I've seen some people on discord talking about, and I think I overheard or saw a Kenny or like crit doing this in the game, putting the smoke grenade on the knob. Mm -hmm. So like he forward deploys charges, kills, and then drops a smoke grenade so that he, I, th I don't think it's possible for him to get shot period at all. Even if you're standing an inch from a melted gun. Yeah. So that is good against shooty teams, but it's also a weird cause it's three equipment points and that just puts you at a really weird space. Cause you're going to probably take the dynamite for four, three for the smoke grenades. Then you only have one chopper for someone and maybe a climbing rope. So, you know, your DACA boy usually gets the chopper, but then, you know, the flamer is missing one, potentially the comms is missing one, potentially the, you know, uh, so, so it, it's, I think it's, it's, it's player preference, but I, I don't use them that often. I use mostly choppers and dynamite and then sometimes climbing ropes. 
Yeah, he he used the smoke grenade in the game versus me to mostly uh, protect uh, some models from from my spotter turn one because I interesting I, I placed him in a very advantageous spot for round one to get onto like one specific point. I was like, okay, you get onto this point, I'm gonna shoot you. And he yeah. was like, smoke grenade. Okay, yeah. cool. Right now, now he has a little bit more play. So, right. um, but he did put it on the knob, which was interesting because he could also give himself plus one uh i which he didn't he gave it to the to the uh squig after right. it activated so it had three the next round which is always a fun thing to do yeah yeah um, so he basically was able to do the do the the smoke grenade give an apl and then also move somewhere or loot a point or something yeah so that's yeah. i mean interesting so he didn't use it as like the charge into your back lines and then drop it yeah it was, it was it was defensive for like the other people yeah, and it made it so that I couldn't do it. He actually moved up and threw it because he saw a way that uh, you, I I could give one of my guys a plus one APL, move, dash, and throw my crack grenade at his dynamite guy before he could give his dynamite guy uh, a plus one. But then my move dash took me out through the back of it. So I was able to then throw a crack grenade, but I was within, my back half was still within the smoke grenade, so he couldn't shoot me back. So then yeah. he, could, he just charged him and killed him. But, yeah, you know... <laughs> It's interesting. I mean, I think I think like t- I I like to rely more on like terrain and precise measurements and heavy cover than I do smoke grenades. Mm-hmm. Um, but if ever I see a scenario where there's an obvious need for one, I definitely consider it. But yeah, I, I to be honest, I I don't really use them that often at all. Okay, that's that's a that's that's fascinating because there's not a I mean commandos aren't played as much out here there's like two players in socal three players in socal that really play them uh and emmanuel's been absent from the scene for a while because of yeah. his son um but like there's not a lot of commandos in socal i mean that very well may change <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but for now yeah but like what do you think is um the the best counters to commandos right now uh, you might start seeing those pop up. Yeah, Nurgle Legion, uh, Intercession running uh, Dueler with the double parry and maybe Durable. Um, or or even Stealthy is pretty good, but the double parry just kills Orcs because you, you run in there, you get a crit, and sometimes you only get two hits, sometimes you get three, so all of a sudden you parry two, which is a crit and a hit, and then they're only hitting you with one, and then you just mulch them, and then you'd fight again on, on somebody else. So, so Nurgle Legion, Intercessors, I'd say Vetguard has a good chance into them. Vetguard has a good chance into anybody. Um, yeah. There's just so much AP and so many bodies. Uh, other than that, the, the really interesting thing about Commandos is that like they don't really have any bad matchups. Like agree. Nurgle Legion's not great. It's not it's not horrible for them. Like it's on Into the Dark. It's 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 worse. But I, I can play around most players just because I have so many models. I can play the mission super hard. Um, so other than elites, they don't really have bad matchups, but they, they don't have any like auto wins either, I would say. Okay. Um, but that, I think that's why they're so strong because like a lot of the top teams in the past, like cults, for example, like because they do one thing really well, they can then maybe have a very specific counter. You know, uh, yeah, they're if, like- if, they're an, if they're a melee only team like cults or anybody else then somebody may be able to hard counter that. But commanders are so balanced and versatile. They can shoot really well. They can fight really well. They have a lot of activations. They can cheat the rules a bit by forward deploying, by ignoring dice, you know, by by moving up the board on uh, charging them conceal. So I think they're, they're just strong. I think they're strong. I don't think they're broken, 
but I can understand how they're frustrating to play against and the forward to play, especially in the hands of a good player. It's, it's just a, such a positional advantage and it is a movement based game before anything else. Yeah. So moving on to like some of our last, uh, my last questions, um, I foresee them probably getting some sort of a nerf in the future. Yeah. And I probably have a couple of guesses of what they may be, but I'm interested as a commando player yourself, what do you think is probably going to get nerfed? Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. I, I'd actually genuinely be curious to see what the data is after the next month. Now that we've, now that the secret's kind of out, so to speak, and a lot more people are taking them to tournaments. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see if they're still in that 50, 55% win rate, or if they're way up or if they're just a little bit over. Um, but I think I would say, I mean, maybe they get the activations toned back down again. Maybe they make the Grot and the Squig GA2, or maybe they just literally re- repeal it and revert it to what it was, where you just you just take one of them or a boy, uh, which which would be, I think, a little bit of a shame. I love using both of them, and I think they're so fun and flavorful and thematic. And when you can only choose one, I almost always would choose a boy, just because only having the Grot is like... It's a little bit of a letdown because he doesn't really do anything all game other than steal a couple points, maybe. Um, so that's one, I think, the activation issue. Because having 11 activations is strong. I think it only really matters in a couple of matchups. Like what, Admech has 10 people, Novi's has 10 people. Um, but even against teams that have like eight or nine, it just gives you those final two activations as opposed to one, which is really strong. Yeah. So maybe the activation count. And then the other thing I could think of is maybe the forward deploy, maybe limiting it to once or twice per game or the second time you use it, making it one plus one CP. Um, I think, I think those are the two things that people complain the most about because at the end of the day, like commandos can still get diced. Like you don't really have CP for rerolls cause you use them all in ploys. And if you're only rolling four dice on threes, like you could have one hit, you could have two hits, you could have no crits like it, you know, they're not the most, reliable unless you're talking about the knob hitting on twos or the slash with full rerolls and the shooters are not reliable unless they have their full rerolls. So I think they're like, they're strong, but, but not like oppressive, you know, and in the way that cults or pathfinders or novitiates were pre all those nerfs, but yeah, sorry, not, not to ramble, but to answer your question, I could, I could probably see being the activation count or the, some, the adjusting the mechanic of the forward deploy because everything else I think is fine. Mm. Yeah, it's fascinating. There was um, there was uh, three, three of the commando players went six and one. Yeah, yeah, I, that was that was what uh, Liam and I mean I, I I mean I guess if you count the final match as a total match, it was a win. But I did lose one of those, so it was you, uh, Jimmy Kelly, and right. Mike Cortez. Oh right, yeah, Mike's a great player too. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. I mean, but that's also the thing, though. You have some of these players who are like some of the top players in the country also playing a strong team. So it's like uh-huh. it, it skews the the data a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you know, we have some people play commandos back home who like I, I there are certain people back home that I've played and I've never lost to uh, with commandos. And then there are certain people that, you know, they play a different commandos player and they've never not beat them. So. I think a good pilot can take a good team and, and, and really push them to the max. Absolutely. I definitely think that as well. Um, I think that uh, probably sneaky git is probably going to get nerfed to just once. No, but I love doing it so much. It's, so much <laughs> <laughs> but it's really um, powerful. What have I done? <laughs> it's, it's so, it's, it's, it's so powerful, but I, but it's not just like powerful. It's like really fun. And it's like, 
finding the spots and the, and, and like feeling, Oh yeah. Like I actually like really played this really well and I got this good spot or like now I'm being defensive or now I'm being offensive or I'm being clever. Like it's, it's a very rewarding mechanic, but I to- totally understand having like three orcs all the way up the board, turn one, it can, it can be difficult, but then you're pretty much like out of CP the whole game. Yeah. Um, but I guess you don't really need, you don't really need DACA. It's nice, but it's pretty much, yeah, four deploying just a scratch is like all you really need to operate the team uh, at a bare bones level. Yeah. So I, I, I can see them reducing that for sure. Yeah. Ones. So yeah, my, the, the other thing I could see them doing, uh, is something that, uh, can you roll a crit, um, uh, offered or said that they would you know they they should do was um only allow not allowing the plus one ap onto the squig and oh I, like just keeping him uh you know no like make adding, him adding it to the stupid rule he is yeah, right, yeah. but now he's like su- super stupid like yeah dead, yeah yeah he's yeah <laughs> um i think i think if you did those two things i would like to see where the team sits because i think that would put the team in in uh in a little bit it doesn't change their activations right yeah uh, they still get 11 so which is nice and then they wouldn't be able to cheese the the sneaky get but right you know uh i mean you're very right like the rest of the the world will uh will be telling will tell us exactly what we want to know <laughs> yeah and and it is so interesting like you were talking about before you don't have many commando mains on the on the west coast like over here we we have like no geller pox at all and it's just so funny how like you go to a different part of the country and you there are te- like Gellerpox I still think is very strong, but like it's you have a, a local meta where just like nobody plays it and there's so many teams in the game right now I think we kind of forget, but it's just it's just so weird that you know like I I don't think I've ever played Gellerpox versus Commandos and I've only played them like once versus Intercession and they're like one of the best teams in the game. It's just it's just strange how that kind of works out like that depending on where you are and in, in the in the country and then you show up at a major tournament and all of a sudden. You're like, wow! I have to play Gellerpox or Commandos like six times. This is going to be rough. Yeah. So my <clears throat> last stat for you is yes. uh, the Commandos ended up uh, their win rate. Uh, actually, let's let's have you both take a guess. Uh, you, the listeners can take a guess. What do you guys think the final uh, win rate for Commandos was for at, Nova specifically? At Nova specifically, we had yeah. what ten Commandos players? Ten Commandos players, and I know that's like we had like three of them, them six and one. Three of them went six and one. Yes, three I, of them went five and two. I think like what, four over of 70, them went oh, seventy, oh, or seventy, or eighty percent, or something. Seventy-one percent. Jeez, wow, seventy-one yeah. percent. Yeah. yeah, but but again, like we said, like all the people playing Commandos, like I think of the ten of them, I know for a fact like six to eight of us were like are like some of the top ITC players in the U S like, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think that's definitely, definitely factors into it, but you yeah, know, it, it, I mean, you cannot deny how prominent they were and how well they did at this specific tournament. I will say also though, this, the terrain is, is very influential in those win rates and how well they 100. did here. Yes. Uh, having full Octarius terrain with all the heavy and all the door, they love that terrain. Mm-hmm. so were the open terrain different i think you would have seen that win rate dip a little bit and and that's interesting too because like that that gets factored into all these stats but it's hard there's no real metric of like what did the boards look like when commandos are going 70 percent, right like yeah is this open is this into the dark so so 
it's it's hard it's hard to say, but the board the open boards were really good for commandos at this at this uh, tournament. I agree. They were so there. It was a very so everyone knows it was very dense in the middle. So yeah. there was always usually two buildings at least near the middle. Right. If they weren't in the middle, there was like a a five inch or six inch gap between the two buildings in the middle. So you could never really get a shot off on anything else, which was you know I mean it was it was good, but you know, Octarius buildings are very large. Right. And, um, you know, they also have a lot of little bits that stick out. So sometimes yeah, little that, rivets you can, you can game for cover and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that can be frustrating, but you know, I think this event was really decent for that. I'm surprised we didn't see more Phobos because Phobos are also really good on Octarius terrain. That's true, but they're really bad into commandos. Are they? I, I think not yeah. know that. Well, because all of a sudden the the twelve room the twelve wound difference with no damage reduction is huge. Like mm. going to fourteen wounds on an intercessor is so massive because uh, an orc can charge a Phobos person and kill them in three hits, whereas okay. an intercessor just doesn't happen. And the intercessors also have access to the double parry. Um, so f- I, I have no problems. I like no problems playing Phobos at all personally with commandos. I, th- I think it's a very favorable matchup for the orcs. Okay. And then all of a sudden you make a small tweak, like giving them 14 wounds or Nurgle with the minus one damage reduction and better melee characters in the funeral pain. And all of a sudden it becomes a very bad matchup. So just a little tweak. And then it's like a completely different game, but I think Phobos are very strong, but versus commandos, I think it's really tough for Phobos to win that. Mm. So, uh, my last question for you is uh, I know that you're also a very big Space Marine lover. I've seen your beautiful conversions, your beautiful paint jobs and artwork. Thank you, um, thank you. Yeah. And Team Justinian. Team oh, yeah. Justin Timberlake. Yeah, Justin Timberlake just dropped a new album. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And we're all pretty excited about it. And they just, they debuted one of the models with... Mr. Smoke f- Grenade. Yeah. Yep. So it's pretty interesting to see where this team's going to go. Do you have any, like guesses or do you think that do you think it's going to be a seven act a seven model team or i don't know i think somebody told me i didn't actually have a chance to read the full article yet i think one of the brooklyn guys said that it's you they hinted that you would just need six models to start playing that's what i got so, gathered so, to, yeah. yeah so i think it will be a six operative team which makes sense it looks like the standard guys are 14 wounds the one thing i could see them doing is maybe having the captain count as like two models and maybe he has like a two up save and a four pin vuln or something and like extra wounds. Um, or they could just balance the team because there, I think there's going to be no equipment and everything's just baked into the, the, um, the data sheet. So they may have more wounds per capita and more access to special weapons, but they can control the power level because there's nothing that players can choose. It's all going to be chosen for them on the data sheets. I mean, that would be my guess. And then maybe you can choose to take the sniper or the Gravis guy. Maybe the Gravis guy counts for two slots. I don't know. Hopefully they give Gravis three APL because uh, two APL is pretty rough these days on power armor, but I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm def- I have all the models already and it's perfect for death watch who I is very close to my heart as Hell I mentioned. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a run when the rules come out and see how it goes. But um, honestly, now that I've seen the light of a, an, a team with like over 10 operatives, I don't think I can go back to elites in a competitive sense. I just last season I, I did very well with intercession, but I was, if I tell you I was living in fear every single game because <laughs> like, cause like you just couldn't make a single mistake. You couldn't lose a single Marine and, and anybody like vet guard who has like four ways to kill a Marine with a single guardsman. It, you just, it's just, 
it's constant, constant fear. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I agree with you. Uh, I am a, uh, elite slash horde player at heart. Yeah. I, I, I can play space Marines for fun, but competitively, uh, it's I tough. definitely, I definitely want more activations than just six. Cause I'm yeah. afraid of losing one model. It is. Yeah, it is. I, I, I do not like to lose models, which is why uh, I'm very attached to them, which is why I like orcs so much. Cause they're very hard to kill. <laughs> yeah. That was one of my questions was, are you ever going to get tempted back to the emperor's side? But I think uh, yeah, if, if, if something cool happens for sure. I mean, I have the models and, and they're, they're definitely like my cool hobby project. And I, and I think death watch and death wing are just the coolest things to me. I always have since like the seventh grade. Um, I, I definitely would be open to being tempted. However, from a competitive standpoint, unless the game changes in a crazy way, I just I just like the ability to play with activations and what that what that does to the to the strategy of the game and how that allows you to develop as a player and really con- control the game or see the game in a certain way that a six operative team just I mean it just can't. I think the sweet spot is like somewhere between like eight to eleven maybe activations, which, which feels nice to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you, G? Um... What do you think this uh, Justin Timberlake is going to come out with? Uh, I think it's going to be your standard six-man team where you can choose to take the captain or not. And I do think the sergeant's going to have some pretty good rules. Otherwise, you'd never take the sergeant as the leader. Yeah. That's that's pretty much my guess because it looks like it's probably going to be a six-man team. So do you guys think that they're going to go with the Eliminator? Do you think they're going to just keep it just a normal sniper rifle, 3-3, three, three, mortal wounds, 3? Or do you think they're going to do... Because in the last edition, they had there's three different rounds for yeah, that. Yeah, he's gonna he's gun. gonna have the rounds for sure. There's no way they're not cool, gonna yeah. give it to you. Yeah, so he could maybe do like what if he could do like a burst, uh, like the normal sniper shot, and then like the super kill shot. So like <laughs> you get one dice, and if you right. hit, you do like ten mortal wounds. Right. That yeah, like, <laughs> kind of like the Death World vet for Inquisition. He has the two profiles, and one hits super hard. But if you roll a one, then you're just uh, should have had a luck. Yeah, that would be sick. That would, that be, would sick. be sick. I, I hope so. I, I think I think they're going to be a fairly basic team, like even more basic than intercession, because the whole point they've introduced from the start is like this is for beginners. It's simple. It's you have all that you buy the box that the, the rules are on the card and you just throw the models on the table and play. I hope that there's going to be some like ways to game them and and be competitive and do some cool stuff. But I'm just excited to to see what to see what they do and and the fact that you can actually have like a kill team that that mixes all these types of, of power armor, I think is really cool. That is pretty neat. I wonder this though. It says, if I remember the description right, each one will have a ploy or something that they can use on the back of the card. Oh, right. Well, like the smoke guy, for example. Oh, oh yeah, ploy. Not not the ability because the smoke grenade is an ability, not equipment. Although it is limited to once per game. Um, yeah, the ploy could be interesting. So I, mean, I don't know if that's a ploy specifically for that one operative, or you have to collect all the operatives to to actually know all the ploys the team can use, you know? Right. I mean, the day that thing releases, someone's buying that box from a store and opening it up right away. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Like that. I think we'll be able to find that. I mean, I will, if no one else does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's happening right away. You know, you heard it here first. <laughs> um, yeah. And I don't foresee that. I, I, I could definitely see that. I mean, usually when things go on pre-order, like the influencers already have everything. So why right. wouldn't they, you know, like they posted it today or yeah, this morning, last yesterday, like yeah, last night or something. Yeah. Um, so I could definitely see like them coming out. I could definitely see them coming out, you know, Saturday, 
or next Saturday, like for pre-order, you know, like right. they usually doesn't take that long. So right. we should have the rules pretty soon, I think. Yeah, that could be cool. I think that'd be cool. And I'm also really excited about whatever the next box set is. The like oh, yeah. season three, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we get out of the, uh, the urban ruined cityscape and get back to like, uh, I remember back when I was like playing fifth edition and 40 K when I was younger, it was, it was a lot of grass and jungles and bunkers and, and, and hills and stuff. And I always thought that was the coolest thing. So I'd love to get back to like some sort of, uh, like death world or some jungle world or something. Yeah. That would be You've sick. been in the city for too long. I agree. Yeah, we have, we've been in the city for years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, make sure I'm going to, I'll send you pictures of the Eldar forest board that I'm making for oh, the, nice. our narrative tournament. So that I'll, sounds send, awesome. I'll send, I'll send them to you. They, sh- they, they it's going to be come out pretty cool. It's going to come out real cool. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, speaking of which, are you guys working on anything hobby wise before we, uh, we wrap this bad boy up? I think, um, funnily enough, I was looking at starting novitiates next is my next kind of kill team. Cause I need to put commanders on a shelf for a while, just cause I've been playing it for so long. And I, uh-huh. I ended up actually winning a box of novitiates as part of the very generous prize support at, at, oh, yeah. uh, at Nova. And I'm, so I'm looking to model them up and, and, uh, not necessarily do much kit bashing with them, but kind of paint them in a really cool way. I want to, I want to like paint their faces as just gold plated face masks instead of, instead of skin. Okay. And uh, I have a really cool color scheme in mind, but I think because they have the hoods around their faces, um, and there's no real hair or other stuff exposed, it could look like really, really cool and, and, and more intimidating than the actual sculpts are if you just paint them like faces. But that's my, that's the next thing on my list. That sounds sick. Yeah, I got like three projects happening: Hearthkin, Pathfinders, and Casterkin all at once. I'm painting like a few models at a time, nice. just so I don't get burned out on one thing. And it'll, they'll be done eventually. Yeah, and by uh, by what LVO you're going to bring them? G, you you have uh, to remember that we still have. Oh yeah, uh, I'm, I'm well aware. Ben Ben's on ben, the clock, you know. <laughs> and we're on a clock too. Yeah, so are, I'm getting stuff done. <laughs> are either you got? Are either you guys able to make it out to NYO this year? Well, uh, we actually have a tournament, the West Coast Championship, on oh, the, the same, same time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, me and Travis have talked at length about it. <laughs> yeah, it'd, it'd be cool to get you guys out here because it's happened on the the fourth and the fifth, right? For you guys yep. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same with us. I'm, I, that's another one I'm looking forward to. That's going to be fun. Year two for that. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can uh, we can set it up for next year, uh, and that we can everyone can go to all the events. That's right. what me and Travis are going to coordinate a little bit better. You know, Which would be absolutely. Amazing. Yeah, and then uh, and then we have LVO to round yeah, out the season. Yeah. It should be pretty exciting. So that'll be fun. Yeah, so everyone knows. Uh, last thing is, uh, uh, you know, we are tickets are st- starting to go. Um, we're over. We're just about halfway through it, and uh, the narrative's already sold out. So um, if you haven't got your tickets yet, and you still want to go. You know, you're going to want to get those tickets, and don't forget to click that affiliate link because it really helps us out. So yeah, and it's a three day event this year. Yeah, it's going to be three uh, three rounds. We start at nine, we end by five. There's going nice. to be a thirty minute break in between the first game and the second game. Love that. Uh, then there's going to be a forty five minute break between the second game and the third game. Cool. And um, day three is the only time that changes. Uh, we're going to do the a, a 15 minute break only, but we're going to give out some prizes. So if anyone wants to leave early, they can. So we're going to do some of the, uh, sweepstake stuff. And then, uh, we'll do the, at lunchtime, we'll announce all the painting award winners. And then everyone who wants to stay for the final game, will 
give out all the final prizes and stuff like that. Uh, again, in in the, in LVO fashion, top eight will all get something, um, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. And awesome. yeah, Hobby Track will be very present. Come early, drop off your models, and we'll we'll grade them. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great this year. We're shooting for shooting for the stars. We're trying to get two hundred players. So remember, everyone out there, every person matters. If you guys can make it, uh, you know we want to we want to blow this tournament out of the water and and prove to everyone and everywhere that uh, this is the Super Bowl of Kill Team. Yeah, no, I'd I'd, I'd love to I'd love, I'd love to be there again this year. Last year was a lot of fun. Yeah, we hope to or see. Or I guess te- technically earlier this year, but last earlier season, this year, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah so it's going to be. Say. I know, right? <laughs> I know it's been it's been a long year. Yeah, it feels like it was last year, but it was just a couple months ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, is there any other tournaments that you'd like to shout out that you're thinking about going to this year? Um, well, I think I'm going to go to the, I'm going to the Tampa Open just because I, I wanted I just always wanted to go to like one of the GW official like uh, open events just to see how they are and it's it's pretty cheap for me to fly down there so I'm going to Tampa. Um, obviously going to the New York Open, which um, which I won last year, which was pretty cool. So this year, and that's hosted like all our Brooklyn community, like Travis and, and all the rats and, and a bunch of awesome people. Uh, we're hosting it in Manhattan this time, which is really cool, right around Union Square. So like you mentioned, it's, it's, it's yeah, yeah. So it's, it's hap- the New York Open is happening on November 4th and 5th this year. And, and I think similar to LVO, like the tickets are selling pretty good and there's, there's, there's a few left. Um, and if anybody's interested about that, it's, uh, ny-open.com. Um, but it's, it's going to be sick. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be bigger this year, uh, in a different space. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to like LVO next year. Yeah. The end of the season next year, uh, the Tampa open, the New York open, and then, uh, the world finals in Atlanta. I'm really, really pumped that I was able to qualify for that and i'm really excited to see what they're doing there apparently it's um four days of kill team with three games a day wow i I think that's the format we're operating under now um i don't know much more than that but that's that's the event it's it's four days worth of gaming so it's going to be pretty hectic that's really cool that's really really cool yeah it's one thing i'm i'm trying to get lvo to expand so that we can get that that extra day because that yeah adds so much you know it does yeah four days they can do something really spectacular something really fun definitely definitely i I think so i think it's just a matter of like hopefully everybody can get the time off and 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 travel in to to make it because a lot you know not everybody's jobs always always cooperate with these tournaments oh yeah absolutely awesome yeah guys we're getting to that uh that point guys absolutely Adrian, thanks for coming on as always, bro. You are a gentleman and a scholar, <laughs> awesome you. kill team player, you awesome person. Kind. You are too you know? kind, sir. <laughs> like, likewise, right back at you both. I, it's, always, it's, always, it's always fun coming on and talking about kill team any time. We'll have you on uh, for another time for sure. Sounds good, yeah. Is there anything that you want to shout out outside of that, Adrian? Uh, I mean, not necessarily. I'm just, uh, I, I just love and kill team right now. I, I'm, I think, I think games workshop is doing a great job balancing the game and just little tweaks, uh, here and there, you know, not, no major changes. Cause I think the game is so tight. People don't realize that every little change really has a big ripple effect. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I've just been enjoying it. I mean, I, I literally, I was looking at like back through my past photos and, and like a year ago, 
little over a year ago was my first ever like tournament. So I'm just like feeling, I'm just feeling great about the game right now and the community and, and all the people I've met, including you guys. And it's, it's just such a nice thing that we got going here and it's really tight knit. And I think that we're, it's nice that we're all working together to keep it that way and, and keep everybody like kind and, you know, competitive, but, but the right kind of competitive. And, and I think we're really doing a good job to keep this community like, you know, together and, and wholesome while continuing to grow and continuing to, you know, sharpen, sharpen steel with steel. Absolutely. Yeah. There we go, man. I'd like to do some shout outs. Um, Please. There's uh there's, there's, we're going to be going over Nova uh, with a couple other guests uh, coming up. Uh, it's a great place to network guys. So uh, influencers come out to LVO, come out to these big national events because uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen or who you're going to meet. So uh, firstly, I would love to shout out uh, all of plasma spam. They were so kind to me, made me feel so welcomed. Uh, I flew in, stayed with Ryan and, uh, the first night into Baltimore and then they all drove me up and we stayed in the same room together to make it uh, more economical and uh, had breakfast together, you know, dinner and we all drove back. We all had milkshakes and some Bay old Bay fries, which were dope. Uh, and then, um, you know, they made me feel really welcome and it was uh, super kind of them to do. And I look forward to diving more into some of my experiences uh, later on, uh, possibly in the next podcast. Uh, but, uh, I'd also like to shout out my opponents that I played at Nova, which was, uh, Daniel, uh, game one, he played Corsairs, uh, <laughs> nearly beat me 17 to 18, uh, David, um, with a uh, intercession game two. Um, I played really well and, uh, David, so did you brother. Uh, it's a rough matchup. Um, we uh, also played uh, Jeremy from Plasma Spam, one of the homies that brought me up. Uh, and this was for the GT the team tournament. There's a whole another crew of people. Adrian, you hey. homie, you. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. That was a great game. You gave me nightmares about sharks. <laughs> <laughs> um, day two, uh, Nick Craven, one of my favorite games. Um, just because that dude, man, we just bro it out, man. I just, I can't, I don't know how to explain it, you know, just vibe on another level. Um, true, uh, and another vet guard player, amazing guy. Uh, we both got pretty sweaty and, uh, in a good way, you know, and we both hugged it out at the end. Uh, and then, uh, you know, John Reese, uh, can you roll a crit? Uh, I had an amazing time with you and I really appreciate you and, and the time that, uh, that we played together. So, uh, thank you everyone from the team tournament. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate everyone who, uh, who played and said hello you know, because they're like, hey, are you Dakota? I'm like, my favorite line, I'll say it to anyone. Be like, is it weird to hear my voice come out of this face? And <laughs> usually, usually people are like, yes. And I'll be like, yes, I feel the same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but how about you, G? Anything you want to shout out? Of course. I want to shout out our patrons. Thank you guys so much for supporting us, helping us do what we do. Uh, the community in general for coming to our events. That also helps us do what we do. And if you want to find me on Instagram, I'm on Wargaming underscore studios. I'm also on our Discord at the squad-games Discord. Link in the show notes for all of that stuff. And of course, if you're looking to come to any event, we do have the All Valley Team Tournament coming up. That's here in Southern California. That is this month, the weekend of the 23rd, 23rd and 24th. And we look forward to seeing you there. 
Absolutely. It's going to be the biggest kill team tournament in the world. Let's go. <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, kill team team tournament. I mean, that's true. You know, team tournament. Yeah. Team, teams are fun. Uh, yeah. But uh, I'm beat, so I'm going to bounce. Yeah. Right, no, I, I, same. Okay. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm literally running on three hours of sleep right now and, and over like 48 hours of being up. So <laughs> we're, uh, <laughs> we're doing this. And, and I'm going to go to get yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Until next time, everyone. Peace. See ya. Take it easy.